Moving Iron Podcast Markets. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Dryshod Boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast, and Tractor Zoom, delivering insights. Man, if I can't talk and, and machinery's not working today, Sean, I don't know what we're going to be able to do. So, my guess uh, as usual. We'll <laughs> my guess as usual on Thursdays is Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean's a wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciate the fact that he's on the podcast every week to talk about what's going on in the markets as well as what's happening out there with the economy as a whole. So, Sean, how you been, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying some of this uh, rise in price we've finally been seeing that's gotten some momentum that's finally gotten prices at least somewhat respectable yeah. in, some, in certain markets. So that's good to see. Good to see. I, I sure am enjoying it. So, um, I guess as you take a look around right now, one of the biggest things I see happening, and of course the Chinese are never going to tell you what's going on or is not going on, but we've talked about it at length on here about the uh, the Yangtze River Three Gorges Dam flood area and what that looks like. And um, right now, a, a giant bulk, even if it's not in a flood area, just the rains themselves have have really devastated the crops in China and. They are at the table right now buying a lot of stuff. Um, there looks like they're going to have a pretty big corn shortage, so the amount of corn that they're going to have to buy from someone, which right now it's us, um, is going to be a, a rather larger amount. So let's talk about how, what, what effect you see that on the market here in the, in the rest of this week and the coming week. Well, remember, Casey, they've never really been a big corn importer. I mean, they've just, you know, they, they've just never been. Every once in a while they buy a little bit, but, I mean, they're – going to have to come in for some big, big numbers uh, from the corn shortage that they currently have. And the corn shortages develop because they chopped through a lot of the lower quality corn to make ethanol. And then, of course, they've been having some poor crops. Of course, they never admitted they had bad crops. No, they, it was always good. They had an increase but in rice production. So, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, eventually it catches up with you. Reality catches up. And so they continue to have these sky-high prices in China. Of course, the flooding... Uh, causes greater food um, scarcity there and and uh, and panic there. The other thing that's just starting to happen, I mean, they're not having a very good year, Casey, and, and they had a big-time typhoon go up into the northeast, Grain Belt. That's where they produce most of the corn, for example. Uh, it created flooding rains, and there's a second storm that's going up there now, Um going almost in exactly the same place in the Northeast China plain where they grow most of the corn. And, um, and it's going to create even additional flooding. And of course they're trying to harvest the crop now, Casey. Right. So my goodness, they just, you know, this is, is you're getting flooding at, you know, at an absolutely, you know, horrendous time for them. So they're in really, really big trouble on corn. Uh, not to mention that there was uh, an indication a week ago that the fall army worm uh, it's been found everywhere in the Northeast China Plains for the first time ever. Um, so we all, who, who knows how much damage those little critters have done already. So, so we look at the corn market. We just think they are going to be in this market buying big from us, from the Brazilians, from the you know, 
the Ukraine, everyone, they're just going to be a big buyer of corn. And that's going to put a bid in the corn market. Any correction that we may see, you know, it's probably going to be more shallow in nature because they're just going to be there being big buyers uh, in the market. And of course, what that means also is the global lending stocks are going to continue to fall, Casey, because this demand is being underestimated, right? Right. So, so that feeds into the to this picture of 21-22, major La Nina, major weather problems, major additional crop problems. So it's it's feeding into this corn scarcity concept that we've been talking about developing. And it's it's happening here and now. And the Chinese are the first one to really feel it, you know? Yep. And they've they've felt it in a million different ways, man. They can't win for, for losing it right now, it looks like, from everything from... You know, the African swine fever, which you don't hear much about, <clears throat> you don't hear much about right now, but quite frankly, it's it's not gone away. They still have the same issues that they're having. It might be under a little better control than it was, but it's still a, a widespread widespread problem in, in China. Um, so their their thirst for proteins um, imports are, are growing even still to this day. We're seeing that in the hog market, seeing that in the, with beef. So talk about those two markets a little bit and see what you, hap- what you see happening there. Well, you know, we've, we've been a little, we've been a little um, worried about beef short term. You know, we, we thought the market kind of uh, got a little ahead of itself. It's, it is a high priced item. And as much as the stock market seems to indicate all as well, we do know there's, you know, there's a, there's a price point that a lot of budgets that are strained are going to pull back buying expensive beef. And so, so we've been getting a correction in, beef price, in uh, cattle prices here uh, a little bit as well. But the, but the hog market is breaking out. Uh, if you look at the October contract, uh, I believe we've made a new, you know, we, we've broken out of this uh, this base that we've been in and and starting to head higher. And, and this is a market that we've continued to suggest um, that we were finally going to get this um, this overbearing supply that's been keeping the market depressed. We were finally going to get demand to overcome that, and and it's starting to show up. So we think, you know, pork is very cheap. Uh, relative to beef and uh and uh and so we think the pork market you know is is kind of playing a little catch up to what the uh, cattle market did and once again you know as much as the chinese are rebuilding their hog herd um you know that's not really going to translate into greater domestic supply there until very late in 2021 so in the meantime they still have this huge protein gap that they have to fill and they're buying every bit of pork they can find anywhere um, and, and, and what the good news is that finally between lower farrowings and euthanizations that took place post-pandemic, the U.S. supply side is finally coming into wraps just as this demand continues to push ahead. So, so the hog market continues to look favorable. And if we're in the hog producing business and we're thinking about making cash sales, we think we'd still be patient here, Casey. We think, you know, we don't think it's quite time to, to lay in some cash sales yet, at least on the hog side. We think... To, being patient right now and letting this market fulfill some of this upside that we've been talking about would be worth doing at this point. So yeah, it's been a uh, it has been a topsy turvy deal, man. The the cattle market's got a lot of volatility in it here of late, and they'll they'll run up one day and run down the next. And there's there's a lot of interday volatility. But like you said, the the hog market is one of those ones where they're you can tell by the volatility that it's getting ready to take off. That there's going to be some some yeah. massive changes. Typically, when you see that, it's up or down uh, one way, coming for sure. But it really feels like that that hog market's going to get there 
get their shot to, to do something uh, other than, than lose money. So hopefully knock on wood, that'll, that'll take care of itself. One other thing we talk about here once in a while, and we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, and a lot of it has to do with, with the, uh, the desert locusts and, and what we see happening um, in that area. And, and right now we're, we're digging sugar beets here in early sugar beet dig here in, uh, in western Nebraska. So the, 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 the sugar market is something that we're paying attention to with what's happened in India and um, as well as what we see starting to kind of creep into China a little bit, the desert locusts and the effects that that would have on sugar cane and, and rice and those kind of things. Where do you see sugar doing? I mean, is it there for a while? It was pretty strong. What's your thoughts on it? Well, now? you know, I got the initial rally on the rally in crude oil and the idea that ethanol in Brazil is going to improve and there's going to be more switching to some ethanol down there. And so, so we kind of got that rally out of the way, but to get, Beyond that rally, you know, we're going to need to see Indian sugar production, uh, you know, come under pressure. And, you know, this, they've, had, they've had good rains this year in the monsoon, as they typically do as we move it. Our dryness is their wetness, just as an example. La Nina is very wet for India, uh, where it's very dry for us. So they've had plenty of rain, but the issue is uh, there's still a good 30 days to go before um, – you know, one can get, get a, a true concept of what yield's going to look like. And the uh, report from FAO, I believe it was yesterday, on the desert locust uh, are showing that there's been a significant um, uh, hatching uh, and buildup of, um, of hatchings of these desert locusts in the, that northwest uh, quadrant, uh, Gujarat, um, and, uh, and that northeast quadrant. And so, you know, they, they put a warning flag you know, that, that uh, they're watching to see if there's, if that's going to start to create swarms and migrate because the sugar areas are just to the east and just to the south of that northwest quadrant. So uh, that really would take this market off uh, to, to the upside. If, 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 there's, if, if we start seeing pictures, you know, these desert locusts swarming all over the sugarcane fields and eating, you know, eating, eating it up like we've seen in, in Africa, you know, that would be something to take this market out of, from where it is and move it to the next level. And so the next 30 days, you know, there's no way to know for sure, Casey, if that will in fact happen other than to say the, the potential is there the, 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 for that to happen um, according to the latest update from yesterday. And so that's something to pay attention to. If we don't get that, the sugar market's probably going to continue just to kind of, I, I think, base sideways back and forth until it can eat through some of this um, Indian supply that, that will be harvested if, if the desert locust somehow it doesn't become as much of a problem as it may be. So. All right, so the other side of that is China's, again, keep talking about China, but as you, uh, as you take a look at the soybean market, again, soybean meal is a big thing. Chinese, the Chinese are rapidly trying to rebuild their hog herds and, and get things back going again, and in order to do that, they need to have lots of feed. The last two, I don't have it up in front of me here yet, but the last two um, uh, export reports that come out every Thursday – our uh, had had our soybean exports very high, you know, you know, in the million, like one and a half to two million metric tons of of soybean exports. What are your thoughts on soybeans, and um, where, where do you think? Um, how do you think that's going to play out today? Well, the good news is they're finally buying a lot of soybeans like they used to. <laughs> you know, we 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 got used to they just didn't buy them anymore. Now that you know, now they're buying like they used to. Um, and of course, it's happened when we're getting greater concern over U.S. crops. When we thought the crop was made 
uh, in early August, and all of a sudden, a lot of this dryness in the West, you know, a lot of the heat came in, and now there's there's concern about, you know, maybe the yields coming down some when the September 11 USDA report, um, and how much are they coming down? And and the Chinese, you know, they're not they watch the <laughs> they watch the weather too, and they're saying, well, wait a minute, you know, if the U.S. is going to have a smaller crop, you know, maybe we need to maybe we need to get a little, you know, maybe we need to be a little more aggressive here in case that crop comes in smaller than we think. Don't forget. Uh, the two areas of flooding, the Yangtze River Valley in the south, they grow a lot of soybeans, half of them. And in the north northeast China Plains, they grow the other half. Um, both are underwater. So they can't be liking the prospects for their soybean crop this year. Even though they don't produce a lot of soybeans, you know, like they do corn or wheat or rice. Nonetheless, that supply that they count on, and if they don't have it or they have a reduced production, they just have to buy that much more. So I think a combination of of uh, worrying about our production being less than they thought. And then of course their own production being down is really brought them to the table to be, you know, pretty big buyers. And the key question is, you know, will they take it up another notch? You know, will they, will they go to what they, where they are now, which is what they historically used to do. And will, what will they take it up another notch? And that really will be the key as to whether soybeans can clear this nine and a half to $10 resistance area that's held this market back for years. Um, or, or is that going to hold it back for now? We're going to have some harvest pressure in October. That to me is really, you know, like sugar, we talked about watching the desert locusts next 30, next 30 days, those monthly month, those weekly export reports to China are going to be the key. Are they staying level or are they, are they still escalating those, those purchases? Time will tell. So, yeah, so I've, I've got up my, uh, the pro farmer, um, report here in the morning and there, there have the, uh, estimates here for corn, for the Thursday export report, and this is the first time I've seen numbers this big. So they've got last week it was two hundred seventy thousand metric tons, and uh, today they are estimating somewhere between one and a half and two and a half million metric tons. So they are uh, they are actually that was what the estimate was last week was two hundred seventy thousand, and they actually last week shipments out were one point one million metric tons. So they are expecting uh, a lot of a lot of growth in. Uh, in the corn export market as well as the soybean export market, they're they're right there within that in that same range. So there's a uh, there, there's a they're, they're coming to the table to buy quite a bit of stuff. I believe you'd have to go back, Casey. I'm trying. I, I don't quote me on this, but but I believe you'd have to go back to 2010 to see exports like this for corn. I think you'd have to go back that far to see these kinds of export numbers. I mean, it's been a long time that we've been chopping through corn like this on exports. It's been a long, long time. Um, you know, it's good to see corn got stupid cheap. As you know, we talked about how cheap it was. You know, low prices always take care of low prices. I know it's a catchphrase and everybody says, but it's true. Um, and these kind of exports, though, they continue for much longer. I mean, the USDA is just way too low. They're way too low. Um, and that means those carryouts going to continue to come down. We've talked for a long time on your program that the, that the 182 yield on corn that they came out with in, the, in August was fantasy, you know, that we're looking at something in low to mid 170s. And, you know, now I see all the analysts talking. Yeah. I think FC Stone said two days ago, 175 now. Yeah. yeah all, everyone's dropping their yields. I dropped, yeah. you know, I don't know. Also, oh, yeah, the, in two weeks, everything's changed. So bottom line is the, the world's starting to come down to the idea that high heat, you know, against, um, Spotty moisture is not going to produce the 182 yield that somehow everyone believed was good, was was already baked in the cake. Um, but you heard it here first, folks. 
basic agronomics or basic agronomy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> High heat, low water hmm, doesn't necessarily produce a bumper crop. That's so. Uh, so yeah, but we. But so the, the, then the next question is, how quickly is the USDA willing to admit this? Right? They, the USDA loves to you know piece it out. Um, they probably won't drop yields as much as maybe a lot of people are expecting just because of their methodical approach. And they like to go little by little. They, they don't like to make a big stand on, on a particular month. So there, we have to be prepared that there could be a disappointment on this report, even though they'll knock the yields down, it may not be down as much as, you know, many are thinking. So, so there could be a little whipsaw here. I just, I just kind of, my, my idea is that they're not going to get to the final number in September. It may take until the October, November report to get to the final correct number. Um, so we need to be a little, a little, need to be a little um, uh, wary that there might be some kind of a buy the rumor, sell the news on this, you know, short-term trading on this USDA report. Uh, doesn't change the fact that we think we're going higher later, but it could cause some, some downside whipsaw if the, if the short-term traders are disappointed. You know, absolutely. Yep. So lots of lots of opportunity out there. And and honestly, there's the one thing I don't want to see in the core market is this rapid run up to like, you know, what you saw where we got to 450 last year, 460 last year. And then there was just like every day was limit down till we got to three dollars and two cents. It seemed like so it was uh, I, I would just want to see that that steady kind of I'd love to see four dollar corn. Well, we want to keep this demand going, Casey. We want to keep chopping through this corn. We want to we want to keep developing the market. We want we want you know a, a really good longer term multi year bull market is not one that spikes straight up, as you know. They kind of meander higher. They you know higher highs, higher lows keeps the market going. Doesn't crush demand. I agree with you. I think the best picture for farmers is. I mean, of course, they want five dollar corn now and sell it all, but but. The health of the market would be to kind of meander up to four at the end of the year, keep the market healthy. I mean, we're going to have a spike trade at some point in 21, 22 with the weather we've been talking about, but it would be better to let the market chop to as much corn as we can. So when we get to that moment of truth, there's, there's, there's very, very little to hold the market back. And then we get the really big price that farmers can do something exciting with. And so I agree with you. Uh, a, a meandering move to four in the fourth quarter would be a really healthy sign for the market to keep things going. Yep. All right, let's talk about cotton real quick, and before we uh, before we shut things down. But cotton has had some very good rallies here of late. They've they've you've seen some pretty good moves um, up, but you've also seen some pretty decent moves down as well at the same time. But there is that that volatility there that is ratcheting the the price of cotton up ever so ever so gently uh, coming out of the uh, the coronavirus stir and what we saw in with the economy as well. So and and cotton is that one of those uh, indicators that, is, that is, does show what uh, what the overall health the economy is right now and it is moving upward so talk about cotton what you see happening there I'm a little concerned about cotton you know so for corn and soybeans we know that we're, we're, tr- we're pretty much the cheapest game in town right we, we we have the best price in town and so we, we're getting a lot of business the problem with cotton is we're trading 10 cents over international price 10 cents over, you know, Indian price. So, so we're at a premium and, and, and us quality is, is a little better. And so you, you know, there's always a little premium, but 10 cents is excessive. Um, and the Chinese don't really, according to us, don't really need the cotton. We think they're doing a lot of purchases more so just because of the phase one trade deal 
than because they really need it. Corn and soybeans, we believe they actually need the product. It's a, it's a need thing, not a, well, we have to because we were told to do it sort of thing. So, so I'm kind of worried a little bit. You know, as much as the economy has been rebounding and we're getting this relief rally and money printing and government spending, I'm really worried what happens after the elections are over, Casey. And, the, and I'm wondering if the government doesn't pull back on some of this stimulus and, and pull the reins in a little bit. And, of course, as you know, uh, cotton is one of the most cyc- uh, economically sensitive, cyclically sensitive uh, commodities. Most of the other commodities are a little more resistant. So we're kind of worried uh, about this, you know, mid, mid upper sixties area and thinking that you know, we might be potentially making a, a top here for a while. And so I, if I was a producer, you know, in Texas or, you know, deep South in the U S and, and I'm looking at everything, I, I think I'd be making some sales. Harvest is going to start soon. Down seasonals begin uh, end of September. And you know, a lot of things to say that I think I'd be booking some cash sales here, Casey. I'm a little worried about the, the cotton market right now, unless, unless a hurricane comes, you know, flooding into Texas, the key Texas areas or the deep south areas, which the last one missed. Of course, that's still a potential, but I don't think I would bet, my, bet the farm on it. I think I would you know, get something on the books, but keep some powder dry in case a hurricane causes a final spike higher. Yep. Yep. Good stuff, Sean. If, uh, if folks want to reach out to you, get some information about what it is that you do at Hackett Financial and the stuff you have out there, what's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T advisors.com lots of sample reports and things they can watch to see if what we do might be of value to your listeners well thanks sean i appreciate you for being on the podcast i'm casey seamworth moving iron podcast make sure you check me out on facebook twitter and instagram and now i go live on on uh, my youtube channel every morning with with sean and as well as chip nellinger when we have do the market stuff also check out the global ag network the great and the great podcasters out there and also uh Go to movingironllc.com for the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit that is going to be January 20 through 22 in Nashville, Tennessee at the Renaissance Hotel downtown. Uh, check that out for the latest information. If you are a dealer of any kind and you'd like to come to that, make sure you reach out to me and I will get you the information for that. Also, check out um, all the great news there on Sean's website. Like you said, it's hackadvisors.com. There's a great information there, a lot of sample reports you can te- check out. And if you, if you get a chance to get those reports, make sure you read them because there's tons of information in them. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go move smart, folks. Out. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. And time again Through the years You'll find us here Moving on